Ladies and gentlemen, this is no time for generality. And I will venture to be precise. By a shadow had fallen upon the scenes so lately lightened, lighted by the Allied victory. No, no, nobody knows what Soviet Russia and its communist international organization intends to do in the immediate future. From Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an iron curtain has descended across the continent. After the defeat of the Axis powers in World War II, the global community was still reeling from its effects. Millions were killed, entire cities were decimated, and the political boundaries of the world were being challenged in unprecedented ways. What's more, the significant differences between the United States and the Soviet Union were becoming even more apparent. Each superpower was now even more aware of how dangerous their opponent was. Neither country was willing to sacrifice the sense of security and newfound power they had come into during the years of World War II, and so each did whatever it could to both maintain and expand upon it. At their cores, the United States and the Soviet Union varied greatly in their beliefs for how governments and economies should function. The U.S. was, and still is, a capitalist democracy. Its primary focus is on the liberties and freedoms of its citizens to choose their leadership and have a say in government by offering free elections and multiple political parties to support. Its capitalist structure also demands for a free market, toting the idea that the government should not have any true regulation of the economy and its various components. The Soviet Union, however, was built on beliefs that were more, shall we say, totalitarian in their functioning. There was one political party, the Communist Party, and the elections that were given to its citizens were much less free. There was also that pesky idea of communism, the idea that the state should have control over the economy and its many functions. So, yeah, you can see why the Americans and Soviets were not BFFs. The first area of disagreement, and there would be many, was what to do with Eastern Europe post-World War II. Both Britain and the United States believed that the liberated nations of Eastern Europe, such as Poland and Czechoslovakia, should be free to determine their own form of government. Stalin, and therefore the Soviet Union, was afraid that these nations would be severely anti-Soviet if they were allowed to have these free elections. Naturally, they opposed the Western powers' plans for such. Because they had been the ones to liberate Eastern Europe from Nazi Germany in the first place, the Soviet Union stayed in the area and established pro-Soviet regimes in Hungary, Poland, Bulgaria, and Romania. These nations became what would be known as the Soviet Satellite Nations, and they became politically and economically dependent on the Soviet Union. Another area of conflict was the situation that was unfolding in Greece in 1946. Post-World War II, a civil war had broken out between the Communist People's Liberation Army and the British-supported anti-communists. But as you can imagine, Britain was struggling with its own economic problems post-war, and they were forced to withdraw their support for the anti-communist fighters. This undoubtedly concerned the United States, or more specifically, President Harry S. Truman. Faced with the possibility of a Soviet-controlled Greece, Truman responded with his own plan. The Truman Doctrine was created in 1947. 
It promised that the United States would provide money and other forms of aid to countries, in this case Greece and Turkey, that were threatened by the expansion of communist control. Truman's plan was to contain the spread of communism as quickly and efficiently as possible. The doctrine was soon followed by the European Recovery Program. Proposed by General George C. Marshall, who believed that communism would only spread to countries who were economically weak, his Marshall Plan provided nearly $13 billion to rebuild the war-torn Europe. Now keep in mind, the Marshall Plan didn't intend to exclude the Soviet Union or any of the economically and politically dependent satellite nations. In fact, it encouraged all possible European nations to take advantage of the financial support. Unsurprisingly, the Soviet Union and its satellite nations refused to participate, and the Soviets saw this as an attempt to buy the support of smaller European countries, which, if we're being honest, isn't totally unfair to assume. The Soviet Union then responded with their own economic plan, calling it the Council for Mutual Economic Assistance, or Comic-Con. Not Comic-Con, Com-E-Con. <laughs> this endeavor largely failed, because the Soviet Union wasn't actually able to provide much aid. It was this policy of containment that the Soviets attempted economic response that ultimately led to the extreme division between the Western democracies and the Eastern communist nations. Another point of heated contention between the United States and the Soviet Union was the fate of Germany post-World War II. We know that punishing the German people with absurd war reparations and an overarching sense of blame didn't really work out great the first time, so the Allied powers had decided to split Germany into four zones, each of which would be occupied by one of the Allied powers, the United States, Great Britain, France, and, you guessed it, the Soviet Union. This plan worked out well for the country of Germany as a whole, but the city of Berlin was a whole other problem. Berlin is located in the eastern part of Germany, which meant that it would be located deep inside the Soviet zone. This fact didn't sit too well with the non-communist allies, as Berlin was the capital of Germany, and the idea of the Soviets having total control of that was too difficult to fathom. Instead, the four allies agreed to divide the city of Berlin into four zones as well. By February of 1948, the British, French, and Americans were making plans to unify the three western sections of Germany and Berlin, and create a Western German government. The Soviets were less than pleased with this, and they reacted with a blockade of Western Berlin. They refused to allow any barges, trains, or trucks to enter the city's three Western zones, leaving 2.5 million people without adequate food or supplies. Ultimately, the Soviets hoped to force the Western powers to halt the creation of a separate Western German state, while also securing total economic control over the entirety of Berlin. This put the Western powers in quite a dilemma. Nobody wanted to risk a potential World War III, so any plan of physically breaking through the blockades was dismissed. But they couldn't and wouldn't just leave the millions of men, women, and children who relied on them to suffer at the hands of the Soviets. So how does one get around the troublesome land-based blockades created by Soviet equipment and soldiers? By sky, of course. For more than 10 months, British and American planes made more than 200,000 flights, carrying 2.3 million tons of supplies. This solution was called the Berlin Airlift, and at its height, 13,000 tons of goods were being flown to Berlin daily. Thwarted by the persistence of the American and British air forces, the Soviets finally gave in and lifted the blockade in May of 1949. The blockade on Berlin and the subsequent Berlin airlift increased the tensions between the Soviet Union and the United States. 
It also brought about the separation of Germany into two official states, East Germany, the communist satellite country, and West Germany, the democratic country, were now formally established, a situation that wouldn't change for another four decades. As my good friend Winston Churchill declared in one of his most well-known speeches, which is the clip you heard at the very top of the episode, an iron curtain had descended upon Europe, and really the entire world. The division between communists and democracy was now more apparent than ever, a fact that would only continue to get more and more obvious as the Cold War continued with its many conflicts well into the 20th century. Thanks for listening to Miss Fitzgerald's World History Podcast. If you have any questions, remember to reach out via email, Google Hangout, or you can always leave a comment somewhere in Google Classroom. It'll turn up for me eventually. Remember to stay safe, stay healthy, eat a vegetable, take a nap, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you soon.